0: good morning. Um, So we're going to spend a little time talking about economics. I don't know, not like math. Don't worry. Not not math. We're going to talk about the economy. We're going to talk about economies of scale. We're going to talk about global, national, local, personal economies. Um, Home economics would actually be the conversation that uh, I would be most led to have. Also might mention to you, that fear God is trending on Twitter in the United States of America. That's interesting. Um, When something trends on Twitter, it means a lot of people are talking about it. It doesn't mean that they're necessarily talking about it in a way that is faithful to what Scripture says or faithful to the gospel. So uh, you and I do have ambassadorial missionary opportunities on social media uh, to engage. I would say that um, if you are not a person that is... Uh, sort of already familiar with the ways of social media, um, don't imagine that it is safe terrain to walk into. So it's a culture that you need to learn about and learn the language of and the practices of um, before you enter therein, just like any missionary practice or exercise. So you and I might be tempted to just uh, post scripture on Twitter. Um, I, In my experience, sometimes that's not met in the same way that you and I would um, imagine that it would be met. So there you go. It's my little social media warning, even though there's a great temptation today to spend more and more time on our screens. Uh, let me encourage you to actually spend time in interaction with people that you know that could be via the screen on maybe um, maybe FaceTime on your phone, or uh, you could use a platform like uh, Zoom if you want to meet together, Google groups, Facebook groups. There's all kinds of ways to actually um, meet with other people in, uh, on platforms that are frankly free. And so let me encourage you to find those and actually get some face-to-face time, have some face-to-face conversations. Do not allow this to be a time that you become um, isolated in those ways, uh, even though we're going to social distance from one another during this period. I do I want to let you know that after months of being out of school, uh, some kids in China, in parts of China, are beginning to return to school. They are not returning to school in ways that you and I would recognize as normal Uh, There is still uh, a a pretty good distance between them physically, and they're all wearing masks and gloves, and it doesn't look like uh, school normally looks. But there you go. At least uh, we have a timeline, a sense of when after a country hits its uh, peak of the coronavirus and there are Uh, A decreased number of new cases each and every day, um, as is now happening in China, we at least have maybe some sense of a timeline in terms of the expectation of how long this might go on and what it might look like in terms of, uh, I don't want to say a return to normalcy, but a discovery of what will be the new normal here in the United States of America. All right. um, Home economics. uh, You got to do some planning and have some conversations with the people in your household about that planning. I know that I'm the one that pretty much does the meal planning in our household, and so I I pretty much made a big chart of um, what are, you know, what would the 30 dinners look like for uh, for the next 30 days if we end up at home that long together, um, and then and then I remind everybody that lunch the next day looks like leftovers from the night before. It's not like I'm going to be able to provide you some unique option for lunch on the following day, so let's just go ahead and expect that the spaghetti we had last night for dinner is today's lunch. Um, or tonight's, um, you know, chicken dish, whatever it is I'm making, will be tomorrow's lunch. So there you go. You need to have those conversations because we don't uh, we don't ordinarily live like we are living now, unless unless you're one of those families who um, who was already homeschooling and already working from home, in which case. Uh, really nothing much has changed for you, and we could learn from you as well. So be sure that you reach out to us with all of that good wisdom and information that you have accumulated over time. You could now be our instructors in how it is that we are going to uh, live together in close, tight community with our families who are used to being a little bit more spread out than this. So you can always text me. Uh, the number is 877-933-2484, or send me an email, carmen at com. or um, if you're on Facebook or Twitter, social, the social medias. Um, I'm there as well, uh, at Carmen LaBerge. All right, next up, Bill English. He and I are going to talk about seven action actionable steps or action ways that churches and businesses can minister to others um, in the midst of all of this. So that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Bill English is back. You can find him at bibleandbusiness.com. Bill, I don't mind telling you that I am currently answering questions on social media related to why are all the stores out of butter and what do I do if I can't find butter? I am teaching people how to churn butter using uh, heavy cream and their KitchenAid. What are you doing?
2: Uh, We just, uh, you know, we're just using butter (laughs) because we bought a bunch.
0: You know, I don't know.
2: What do you mean what am I doing? I go to the refrigerator. The butter is there.
0: You know, I know and, I, I I know. and know. then we're used to going to the grocery store and it being there. And I do think that this is a unique experience, right? The 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 experience of a sense of scarcity, even though it's not scarce. Cows in America are gonna continue producing milk and cream and that cream is gonna continue to be converted into butter and it will be back on the shelves in no in just just no time. No time no time at all.
2: You know, the thing when you bring up scarcity, and I've been thinking about this over the last few days, is that when Paul went around from church to church in order to raise money for the Jerusalem Christians, uh, many of those churches were giving out of scarcity, right? They didn't have enough for themselves. And yet, as he says in Corinthians, they were still able to give um, uh, well beyond what they should have been able to give in order to help the the Christians in Jerusalem. This scarcity thing, this idea that we stock up to make sure that we have enough is uh, a little bit uh, counter to what the scriptures teach about giving, which mm-hmm. is that that we give not only out of our abundance, but sometimes out of our scarcity. So when you asked me about butter, and I I, I know it's kind of a, a you know you were you were being lighthearted with that, but a little bit of my first reaction was, well, if I don't have enough butter, that's fine because maybe that means that somebody else does, and as a Christian, that's a, that's an okay place for us to be.
0: And if I have two sticks of butter and my neighbor has none, I yeah. I go give them a stick of butter, right? I mean, so part of this, part of the one of the conversations you and I are just about to have is. How do we give out of our own supplies and resources, be those disinfectant wipes or toilet paper or butter um, How do we get to the place where we recognize that sharing having a culture of sharing is actually a christian witness
2: yeah i you know I don't know how how we get there other than just to start doing it and and see if it catches fire, uh perhaps maybe some teaching from the pulpit on this, but I tell you. Uh, you, you're not going to find a lot of pastors who are going to spend a lot of time on this particular topic because uh, they can get a lot of pushback on it too. And mm. so, um, you know, anyways, how how can we do it? I think we just go out and start doing it. I, I I don't think I don't think there's rocket science here. We just go out and start doing it.
0: All right, let's do your um. Let's do some of your actional ways that churches and businesses can minister in the midst of all of this? Because I think this is, it's just helpful to start thinking through and what I call ideating, like just push some ideas out there.
2: Yeah. So here's, so, and this is a a new article this morning at Bible and Business. It's right on the front page. You can go get it. Uh, The first one is offer free medical triage care. Okay, get the doctors and nurses, uh, the other medical and healthcare professionals in your church, and maybe just for two or three hours on a Saturday, offer free triage, diagnostic, differential diagnostic care, right? Not everybody's going to have coronas. Now, you're not going to have coronas tests to pass out. I get that. But you can. Uh, doctors should be able to say, you know, this sounds like coronas, this doesn't sound like coronas, this sounds more like, you know, maybe you're you're pregnant or something else. I don't know. And so, you know, offer some free medical triage care at your at your church. Secondly, for those who are self quarantined, you're if, if you know some of those people in your midst or in your community, offer to bring by some meals. Offer to bring by some food. Offer to take over uh, some maybe cleaning supplies that they need. Uh, Toilet paper, for heaven's sakes. I know there's some of us who have stocked up well on toilet paper. We could afford to give away 24 or 48 rolls, and it wouldn't hurt us one bit. And so, uh, you know, offer to do that. (laughs) Did you see my post on Facebook?
0: Uh, Oh, Well, um, I did. I did. I did. Oh, I, people uh, are posting uh, all kinds of things related to related to toilet paper. <laughs> it's kind of funny. All right. So, yeah, yeah. let's um, let's do one more of, of these actionable ways and then let's take take a break and come back and do the rest of the list.
2: And really, uh, what I already said bleeds into number three, have members give out of their own supplies, disinfectant wipes, toilet paper, and so forth. Now, what this will require is church members giving up the need to feel secure in the supplies that they have in their house and realizing that if they give it away or at least give some, maybe most of it away, that that is a godly thing and that there are rewards in heaven that will far exceed any feelings of security that you'll have on this earth.
0: All right, Bill uh, English and I are going to take a very brief break. We are talking about a piece he has posted at bibleandbusiness.com. It's uh I would just consider it, you know, like right these are some brainstorms. This is a these are some action steps. These are some ways that you and your church can minister to those who um, are in the midst of the coronavirus, maybe those who have tested positive, maybe those who um, are afraid, um, certainly those who are at high risk or vulnerable the self uh, the self quarantine let 's be ministering to those let 's be let 's be acknowledging that this is an opportunity for us to be the people of God pressing ourselves out into the world, even as yes, we are um, you know concerned about our own welfare, but let 's be also highly concerned about the welfare of others. More up next with Bill English. We'll be right back. Continuing uh, my conversation with Bill English from Bibleandbusiness.com, we're talking about a new post he has there. Uh, so go check it out at bibleandbusiness.com. All right, Bill, let's uh, let's pick up where we left off. I think this next one is really, really important in terms of what we as uh, as Christians can do in the midst of these days.
2: Yeah, for those whose jobs have been displaced, uh, work with your business owners and others in your community to form a networking group to help those individuals find meaningful work. Look, uh, at least here in the state, I, I realize we stream all 50 states and really around the world, but here in Minnesota, the governor has shut down most businesses and and has extended most unemployment benefits. Um, it, for those, there's going to be a ton of people here in Minnesota who lose their jobs, just like New York and Los Angeles, other places, because of the coronavirus. And these are hopefully temporary losses, not permanent losses. But even in the midst of that, and even in the midst of being able to uh, apply for unemployment, let's still help them find meaningful work.
0: Hey, um, um, hey Bill, we're going to have possible. to reconnect with you. You're, um, we Our connection to you is breaking up. So we're going to um, let Paul reconnect with you. So I will um uh, I will uh highlight this point that Bill is making. Lots of people in our communities um have had their jobs displaced, uh, disrupted for uh, what we hope is just a period of time. But if you would um if at the church and I'm not saying we we actually like physically go to the church and have this meeting. I'm saying that we get together online in um in a group that the church organizes um and we have a meeting and we talk about ways in which we as business owners um, could provide work during this time for people whose jobs have been displaced. And so um, we're talking about doing some creative thinking and being collaborative with others in the faith community to form a networking group that would help individuals find work that fills the gap. And you could think creatively about how this would happen. Like uh, restaurants who have never had delivery services could now have delivery services if they had people who were willing to do the job of driving. Like, right, there's an opportunity for you, keeps the restaurant potentially open longer and employs a person displaced in some other way by having an opportunity um, to work. All right. So Bill English is back. We're going to pick up with Uh, The next um, thing on the list, which is in relationship to how churches are going to take what they do online.
2: Yeah, so divide into smaller groups, and we did this last Sunday, stream worship and sermon, but invite your neighbors to join you. So last Sunday, our church streamed their services, as I think most did. I don't know if yours did. Um, But ours did. And uh, uh, we had uh, half a dozen people here and we had church in in our house here. Uh, But this coming Sunday, I think in, uh, in addition to doing that, we're going to invite some of our neighbors who rarely go to church and say, hey, do you want to come on over? With the coronavirus, I think there's more people who are interested in spiritual things because their safety might be at risk. And this might be a good time to invite them into your home, Uh, keeping this under 10 people. I get that. But still inviting them into your home and and uh, and seeing if you can't minister to them.
0: Um, I'm Uh, also hearing recommendations to uh, to set up Facebook groups like uh, instead of my community group getting together on Wednesday night, we're going to meet. We're all going to meet, but we're going to meet in our in a Facebook group that's been set up for us. Um, And also in terms of streaming, if your church does not know how to do that, there's tons of free online resources now um, related to to how to make that happen. All right, go ahead. Check on on the elderly. Yeah, this one's really important.
2: Yeah, there are elderly everywhere. There's elderly in, in my neighborhood. There's elderly probably in yours. Uh, go just knock on their door, tap tap tap. You know, are you doing okay? Is there anything you need? Can I get you anything? Ask about their well-being. Ask if they're if they're amply supplied. This is a good opportunity for you to and I to have maybe some some supplies that they might need readily available, and just give it to them. Help them out. Let them know that that you're thinking of them and that you care. And uh, hopefully, o- over time, you can build that bridge with them to share the gospel um and so i think that's uh, another thing that you can do in this time
0: all right and then um the last one is the advance of the gospel one tell us about it
2: it is yeah just ask god uh to bring someone into your path today who needs the lord who is anxious about the coronavirus who is anxious about what's going on they're upset ask some ask god to bring someone in your path today and to whom you can minister, you can share the gospel, you can share your love, maybe share some supplies, that kind of thing. I think this is where the church really is the church. Um, it's You know, we are the church when we're worshiping and all that, but this is really where the church is, the church. This is being salt and light. So I ask the Lord to do that for you today.
0: All right. Let's be supportive um, and patient. Uh, let's recognize that there are opportunities literally in every direction to advance the gospel right now. Um, and advancing the gospel means praying. It means caring, um, and yes, it means sharing. So let's uh, let's follow Bill's lead here in terms of not only thinking about, but then actually activating our faith in positive ways. We're not giving out of a sense of scarcity. We're giving out of the reality of abundance. Um, God is not only our protector, but our provider. And so let's trust him not only to provide for us, but through us for the needs of others. Um, Bill, uh, thank you as always so much. um, And thank you for coming uh, in remotely.
2: You're welcome. It's good to talk with you.
0: (laughs) We're thankful for Skype today. All right. That's Bill English from Bibleandbusiness.com. We'll be right back. Okay. uh, There there is a lot that just continues to go on in the midst of uh, of everything that we used to consider normal. And um, one of the conversations that you might be having with yourself and with others is, what might I be reading during this season? Where might I be going online to engage in some really positive course that I could that I could take during this time when I'm at home and I have access to online stuff, but I can't actually go to a class at church. Um, what might be something that I haven't spent any time thinking about or not much time thinking about or learning about that I could invest this time in doing? All right, so um, Addison Bevere, and uh, he is his last name should be uh, familiar to you. His mom is Lisa. Um, Addison likes the simple things in life, and he is also a person who's engaged internationally in ministry. He's the co-founder of something called SonsAndDaughters.tv, which is really cool. And he's going to join me in just a minute to talk about his book, Saints, Becoming More Than Christians. So I want you to just think during the break about the term saints and whether or not you think you are one. That's up next here on Morning with Carmen.
1: This is Max Locato, The anxious heart says, there's trouble out there, so you don't sleep well, you don't laugh often, misfortune lurks, it's just a matter of time. As a result, you're anxious, you're not alone, our society is crippled by anxiety, how can this be? Our cars are safer than ever, we regulate food and water and electricity, yet if worry were an Olympic event we'd win the gold medal. Well, keep in mind that anxiety is not a sin, it's an emotion. It can, however, lead to sinful behavior. And when we numb our fears with six-packs or food binges, when we peddle our fears to anyone who will buy them, we're sinning. Jesus gave this word, Be careful, for your hearts will be weighed down with the anxieties of life. God made you for more than a life of angst and mind-splitting worry. He has a new chapter for your life, and he is ready to write it. All
0: right, joining me now, Addison Bevere. You can actually find him at Addison Bevere, B E V E R He is here to share with us today his new book, Saints. Becoming more than Christians, Addison. Welcome to Mornings with Carmen.
3: Carmen, thank you so much for having me.
0: Okay, so I want to start with um, with a with a question that I know you have heard before. Um, what kind of religious practice do you follow?
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do. I do consider myself a follower of Jesus. But if I'm honest, Carmen, I haven't liked calling myself a quote unquote Christian for a long time, and it's not that I'm a sh- of Jesus. It's not that I'm ashamed of the gospel message. But I don't like being associated with the stigmas and the stereotypes and the labels that have been connected with this idea of being a cultural Christian. I think we've lost sight of the mystery and the purpose and the wonder of what it means to follow Jesus. And because of that, we've modeled something that's so small. And it's not something that our world is looking for. And because of that, they're turning to DIY spirituality and to other spiritual practices.
0: So I want to um I want to ask you about sort of these negative stigmas and stereotypes that are attached to the label yeah. Christian. We probably have a lot of people listening right now who have never given never given this a second thought. When they're asked they they <sighs> sure. say they're Christians and they're um they don't have any sense that that has any negative connotation in the culture. Talk about how sure. that word is heard among a non-believing people.
3: Yeah. So Like I I have a friend, um, I work out with him and, um, he's a trainer at the gym that I'm at. And a couple years ago he came up to me and he just said, Hey, I, I want you to know that you're one of two real Christians I've ever met. And, and he said, I heard, I heard you're writing a book. He's like, I can't wait to read it. And this is someone who grew up in the Midwest. This is someone who grew up in a quote unquote Christian environment and yet his whole life, he's seen um, these behaviors and this this idea modeled that um, that's very contrary to what he knows. Scripture tells us, if you, Carmen, if you just go to Google, and if you Google Christians are, you're going to find words like judgmental, hypocritical, backwards, uneducated. And when I look at the life of Jesus, I see someone who the world was attracted to. Now, that, that doesn't mean that he compromised. That doesn't mean that um, he, he did things the world expected him um, to do them. But he lived a life that caused people to turn their heads and be like, man, there's something different about you. Like you have peace when no one else has peace. You have joy when no one else has joy. You, you are living for something greater than yourself. I want to know what you tapped into. Because you and I both know like our world is looking for something more. Our world is craving the good life. Our world is craving an idea of, of a flourishing that they've been looking for since the beginning of time. And we, as the followers of Jesus, we're supposed to be the ones who have tapped into the one who is life and live from that place of hope and strength.
0: I'm talking with Addison Bevere. You, you should check out his website, Addison Bevere. Bevere is B-E-V-E-R-E dot com. The book is Saints Becoming More Than Christians. Um, Tell us about the word saint specifically.
3: Yeah. So it's one of those words that, that we don't use very often, or if we do use it, we only use it in certain circles. But if you look at the New Testament, Carmen, the word Christian is used only three times, but the word saint, hagios in the Greek, is used over 60 times So it was the identifier of the early church. So when the early church was subverting cultural norms, when they were turning the world upside down, when they were reconciling groups of people that, quote unquote, didn't belong together, they were identified as saints. In fact, if you look at Acts 11, where the word Christian is first used, most scholars believe, probably nine out of 10 scholars believe that it was used in a derogatory sense. Now, I'm not... I'm not campaigning against the term Christian, but I am saying that it has become too cheap and too familiar. It's become a cultural idea. People have lost um, lost the sense of purpose that it was supposed to carry, it was supposed to represent. And that's why I'm suggesting we go back to a different identifier, an identifier that really started the revolution. And if you look at passages like um, Daniel 7, you see this idea that saints are the people of the kingdom. Saints are people who break down the barriers between the secular and sacred. Saints are the people who realize that God's heart, his kingdom message, the gospel, the good news of the kingdom, reclaims every inch of our world. And they live in that reality. And what that causes us to do is it causes us to see the mundane as meaningful. It causes us to see each and every moment as holy, which is what Paul invited us to do in first Corinthians three, when he says, you are God's temple. In other words, you are the place where heaven meets earth. Everywhere you go, you are bringing that heaven reality with you, and that is the life of purpose and meaning that we crave.
0: I want to talk. um, I want to talk more about that. I want to pull that apart a little bit. Um, When we when we dive deeply into what the scriptures say about the word saint and how the early Christians um, were described in this way and referred to one another in this way, I'm just wondering, like practically in your life, as you have. Um, Yeah. As God has made you like more and more aware of this, and you have sort of embraced this as the core identity of what it means to be a Christ follower and a Christ ambassador in this, uh, you know, in this day and time. Has there been, has there been a change in language for you in terms of how you talk with other Christians? Uh, I mean, maybe that's even the language I'm supposed to be using. Help me out here. (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah. and Okay. So again, let's go back to original use, because we, we use saint in a way to canonize or to honor or venerate people who lived a good life and died. But if you look at how it was used, it was used in a way to energize the present, to give meaning to the present. And think about the way Paul would use it in his letters. He would write to the saints in Ephesus, to the saints in Corinth, to the saints in Philippi, to the saints in Rome. He was writing to, quote unquote, Gentiles. He was writing to people who were newly saved, and he was calling them saints. He was saying, hey, this is who you are. And because this is who you are, this identifier is going to reshape everything that you do. It's going to change your presence in the city that you find yourself in. And so for me, Carmen, when when we look at our world right now, right, obviously our world is in a in a, a state of chaos and a state of crisis. Like our world needs us to tap into uh, a vision to tap into a hope that's greater than this moment. Our world needs us to see beyond the pandemonium that, that we find ourselves in now. Our world needs us to not shrink back, as it says in Hebrews 10. We are not those who shrink back and are destroyed. And saints are people who capture a vision that is bigger than the present. When you look at Hebrews 11, you find men and women who the, the world, quote unquote, wasn't worthy of. That's what it says in verse 34. But because the they the world wasn't worthy of them, they were exactly what the world needed. They were people who could see the unseen. And because they could see the unseen, they were able to create Practical demonstrations of God's goodness, the revelation of His will, of His heart, of His purpose in their everyday lives, thus moving the world into the promised reality that God always speaks over our world. That day when every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess, every eye will see, that day when the knowledge of the glory of God will cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. That's what it means to be a saint. And I'm concerned that this idea of Christian has become so individualistic. It's my salvation. It's my condemnation-free living. It's my ticket into heaven. It's my personal journey. Whereas if you look at this idea of saint, it required us to see the world bigger than ourselves. And by seeing the world bigger than ourselves, which is really the whole gospel message, deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. When we see the world bigger than ourselves, we tap into a purpose. We tap into a community. We tap into a mission that fills our souls, that gives us everything that we crave as followers of Jesus.
0: All right, I am talking with Addison Bevere. We are talking about his book, Saints, Becoming More Than Christians. I encourage you to check out his website, Addison Bevere, B-E-V-E-R-E. Yes. The same way uh that you have thought about Lisa spelling her last name. I'm gonna ask him a question about his mom in just a minute. We'll be right back. Mm-hmm. I'm talking with Addison Bevere. He is the author of Saints, Becoming More Than Christians. He's also the co-founder of SonsAndDaughters.tv, and uh, he works with an organization called Messenger International. It's an organization impacting millions of people in over 150 countries through its um, various initiatives and ministries, and you may know the name of his mom, Lisa Bevere. Um So, Addison, I'm just going to be bold and ask— um what would what yeah. would you say is like you know you grew up with a kind of a famous Christian mom, which seems like maybe a strange thing to say right um but tell us how how you think that has influenced your own journey of faith
3: yeah well, my mom i mean my mom's phenomenal, and my mom would always declare over us we there's four of us four boys, declare of us that we were created for signs and wonders and she she made us believe that that god would do something extraordinary through our lives and the extraordinary happens through the everyday you know that it happens in the mundane like we have these ideas of impact that are abstractions that that remove us from our everyday lives but god moves in the everyday that's why jesus came and walked our roads. He sweat our sweat. He bled our blood. He cried our tears. Like he moved into our everyday lives. And so that was, that was huge. That was something that she spoke over us. And it was something that she modeled, um, with the way she was committed to us and the way she did ministry on a large scale, but also the way she did it at home. And, uh, and so, yeah, she, she made us, she made us believe in the po- in the, in the impossible from a very young age.
0: Um, what, what has her reaction, response—I mean, let me just read—I'll um, read one of the things that she has said, um, describing herself yeah. as a ridiculously proud mom. In a t- This is about your book. <laughs> In a time when so many young yeah. men are deconstructing the sacred, Addison has leaned into it. I am challenged, corrected, and lifted by saints. Saints is the book that we're talking about today, um, and those are the words of Lisa Bevere about Addison Bevere. Um when she talks about young men deconstructing the sacred, you know, she is pointing to something that's happening in our culture um that right. many of us are aware of and many of us also don't quite know how to answer. Um, you you really provide an answer to that in this book.
3: I do, and and I wanna I wanna give fresh language for a world losing hope and religion. And one of the things that we can't do, Carmen, is we can't get on the sidelines and throw stones at what has been. That's a that's a cheap way. To validate what will be to dishonor what has been, and and that's what our generation has a tendency to do. I'm in my mid thirties, and um, and so for me, the way that I'm looking at it is when I study church history, I see that prophetic disruption always comes from within, and so there's no there's no question that millennials have. Left the church and aren't aren't coming back for the most part, so every generation has a season where it leaves the church, but then normally a, a large majority of that generation comes back to the church we're not seeing that same trend with millennials and um, it's it's an interesting phenomenon and I do think there are a lot of reasons for that, and it's easy to point to the church and be like, well, the church is broken, and that's why it's happening, but I, I actually don't think that's the case the church has been broken since day one, just look at paul's letters. I I think what's happening is we live in a big world. We live in a world that's asking very hard questions. We live in a world where information is passed from one person to the next, like never before ideas are populated and and spread like never before. And I think the gospel message and the God that we're quote-unquote offering is too small for our big world. Now, notice I did not say that God is too small, and I did not say the gospel is too small, but I think our idea, our caricature of God and the gospel message is too small for our big world. I was um, I was at an event this past week, um, and my mom was actually speaking at the event, too. We were both speaking at it. It was an international summit, and I, and I taught on this idea of saints, and we had all the generations there. We had, I don't know how many nations there, but a lot of nations represented. And after I shared my mom, she's so sweet. Like she was in tears and was so moved by the message. And I came, I came off the, came off the platform and the gentleman who was sitting next to me, one of the other speakers, he just looked at me and he said, he's like, this could start a revolution. He's like, this could start a movement. And I, and I looked, at him like, you know, that's my heart that's my prayer because we need that. We need people to have a fresh look at what it means to be the people of God. Like we have watered down what it is to follow Jesus and what we've done is we haven't given people something worth dying for. And when you don't give people something worth dying for, they're never going to find something worth living for. And I think in our attempts to make the gospel more quote-unquote accessible, we've reduced it to something that really has no bearing, really has no meaning in our everyday lives. So people they view, you know, their their Sunday as their sacred day, and then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. They live their real lives, and they don't see how those two merge. And when I look at Scripture, when I look at passages like Ephesians 4 verses 11 and 12, I see that the purpose of the church is to equip the saints. For the work of the ministry, which means every single one of us, regardless of where we're called, regardless of whether we're stay at home parents or we're scientists or we're mechanics or we're baristas, whatever it is, like wherever we're called, we're called to be saints. We're called to be people who practice and participate in the mystery of the final day. Um, Recently, I was at Staples, I was getting that TSA pre check thing done. And the young lady um, who was who was working there, she asked me, she's like, So what do you do for a living? And I started sharing it with her. And she said, Man, that's so cool. It's so cool that you do something meaningful. She's like, I just work at Staples. And I looked at her Carmen. And before I knew it was coming out of my mouth this is what came out of my mouth. I said, That's the great live human existence. And she was just like, what? <laughs> and I was like, that's the great lie of human existence. And I was like, I'm gonna have to explain what I mean by that. Cause I don't, I don't know this girl. I have no idea what her background is. And I just started sharing with her. About God's design for relationship and how God works through relationship relationships and how God's kingdom has always advanced through relationship. First, God reconciling us to Him, and then positioning us as His saints, as His ambassadors to reconcile the world to God. And I started talking about that idea to her and talking about how that moves into the mundane in our everyday lives. And then she just, and then I was quiet and she didn't say anything. She like looked at me. It felt like two minutes. It was probably like ten seconds. And I'm just sitting there. I'm like okay. And she just said, thank you. I've never viewed my life like that. I've never viewed God like that. And she said, you've made my week. Thank Mm. you. And I said, and then we talked a little bit more after that. It's just, people are looking for hope. And Carmen, there's a reason why people are chasing this idea of the good life. Ecclesiastes 311 says that eternity was written on our hearts. There's an expansiveness inside all of us that cannot be denied. And that's why I believe the good life, it isn't something you find. It isn't something that you create at the altars of sex stuff and status. The good life is someone you become. And that journey of becoming, the journey of understanding what it is to be a saint, what it is to be sons and daughters of God, what it is to be people who— as Peter writes, who, um, who tap into the divine nature. They, they, they become aware of what it is to be the children of God. Like that is the life that we crave. That is the life we're looking for. And nothing else will satisfy that longing.
0: All right. My listeners have just fallen in love with you. Um, they, are, uh, they are declaring um, God's goodness and appreciation to the heavens for you. Um, so Addison, let me just say thank you. Uh, on behalf of, you know, everybody that's listening right now and those who will listen later via the podcast, you, um, you are walking in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, and that is precious. That is precious in God's sight, and it is a gift wow. to the rest of us. Um, Addison Bevere, check him out at addisonbevere.com. Also, check out um, uh, the book, Saints Becoming More Than Christians, and I also want you to check out what they're doing at Messenger International. Um, Addison, I hope you'll come back and visit with us again.
3: Absolutely, Carmen. It was an honor. Thank you so much for having me on.
0: What a pleasure. We'll be right back. Wow. Hallelujah. Right. Get me some more of that. I, I don't know about you, but I am I'm energized. I am encouraged. I'm inspired. I'm challenged. Um, I'm, I'm, I am. I'm He makes me want to walk more worthy of the calling to which I'm called today. Um, I, want you to, I want you to consider today what it looks like to walk worthy of the gospel. All right, my friends, have a great day, and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.